A little football game on the minds of Kansas Cityans this week as the Chiefs return to the Super Bowl. Before he jumps on a plane for Tampa to take his seat at the game, Mayor Lucas takes a seat on Week in Review. He swings by next. Plus, we track the rest of the week's news from a new lawsuit filed against the mayor over pandemic restrictions to a new plan from the Kansas governor to legalize medical pot to fund Medicaid expansion. Plus, does bad press pay? Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlies Borley, Haas and Wilkerson Insurance, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello, I'm Nick Haynes, and welcome to a World Championship winning edition of Week in Review. A quick aside to begin with, I'm sure you're familiar with that medical advice about limiting the time you spend looking at your computer or your phone screen. That goes for me, too, and that's what makes Mayor Quinton Lucas a sight for sore eyes this week. He's not going to be one of our guests who pops up on our joint Zoom screen. He is here in the flesh. How many times, Mayor Lucas, has somebody said to you, you are a sight for sore eyes? <laughs> well, not... Not that much in life. <laughs> now, you're going to be heading over to Tampa, and we're pleased you stopped by here just before you left. But you know there are going to be people who say, wow, with all those problems in the city, he's got time to be going over to Tampa? Who's paying for this? Well, well, you are never off as mayor, uh, and you are always working. I'll be visiting with the mayor of Tampa, talking about things relating to public safety, uh, public transportation, a number of different issues. If taxpayers are not funding this uh, travel. Never happens that way in something like this. And uh, I will be back. Uh, soon, starting bright and early Monday morning to address all of Kansas City's issues, but we'll do it virtually while I'm away as well. As you are the mayor of one of the cities that is playing in the Super Bowl, yes. does that give you one of the best seats of the house right <laughs> next to the sidelines of the field? Then? Well, you know, I, I wish it was that way. So I, I got the experience at last year's Super Bowl. I was in the stands like everyone else. I plan to be in the same place. I, I don't have the money of a Jeff Bezos, and uh, unlike him, I'm sticking with my job a little while longer. Well, how, But you are the mayor, so does that mean you get to rub shoulders, rub elbows, at least six feet apart from some of the players? Well, you know, in uh, regular times, you actually do have a number of things. So part of the reason I've been talking to the mayor of Tampa, same relationship with the mayor of Miami last year, is that you do uh, have a number of events, uh, engagements, those sorts of things. Uh, we are not the prettiest subjects necessarily as public servants, but uh, we do get a chance to interact uh, around this game. What has been your relationship with Patrick Mahomes? Does he ever call you up and say, you know, I know the city... <laughs> has problems. Uh, can I use my wallet or my name to help you? Well, um, you know, I, I have had the chance to get to know Patrick Mahomes a bit, far from uh, a best friend or anything like that, but he has been such a wonderful contributor to the Kansas City community. We are so lucky to have him, so lucky to have him here for a number of years in advance. And as you know, helping out at Martin Luther King Park, helping out with polls at Arrowhead Stadium on Election Day, he has continued to be somebody who is a dynamic difference maker for Kansas City on and off off the field. You frustrated many members of our metropolitan area when you said, well, there's not going to be a celebration public parade uh, if the Chiefs do indeed win on Sunday. Uh, was there ever a moment that you said, you know, we could pull this off? You know, I think someone in my staff did the research to say that if we had 
700,000 people socially distanced between six feet, you would have some incredibly long 900-mile parade or something of the sort. Some math teacher will check us. Uh, you know, it is just not possible right now. We recognize that as we reopen, we had fans in the stadium, but far fewer. It would just not be safe to have some scene where everybody's crowding in. And indeed, when you look at the flu pandemic of 100 years ago, that was part of the ways that Philadelphia had messed up. They had this parade. So many people get sick. We are not going to make the same mistake in Kansas City in 2021. When we look at the COVID numbers, in fact, the day of the decision that was made to say we're not going to do the parade, numbers were going down lower since October at that point. And we, and we break that again this week, even lower. We have the KU hospital saying that they're happy with how things are going right now. Lowest hospitalizations since November 30th. If that is not the sign that you're looking for, what is the indicator to you that says things are fine for a parade? Well, a steady and sustained decline which I don't know if we'll be able to get to by Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Uh, that is what we continue to do. We're, we're getting our vaccine rollout in. We're making sure people stay safe. But look, I've still got urban school districts that are not reopened to in-person learning. We need to make sure we're focusing on our COVID-19 recovery. We will find a way to celebrate the Chiefs and have absolutely no doubt that they'll be back in the Super Bowl and victorious next year as well. You went to the inauguration as well as going to the Super Bowl. Some people say, wow, well, he can do all of these things, but he won't let me go to the parade. Well, you know, I, I think there's this, right? Uh, I, I'm COVID tested fairly consistently. I have been uh, a lot, almost everything I go to. COVID tests you a number of different times, and we try to make sure we have all those safe protocols. But, I, you know, what we have been preaching for a while to Kansas Cityans is that as perhaps you go back to workspaces or schools, making sure you're doing things like staying safe, keeping your distances, Wearing a mask makes a world of difference. And we just don't know if a parade scene like they saw in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, after Bama won the national championship, is the type of scene we want to see in Kansas City. It's too early. That's why we're playing it safe. You were at the inauguration. Some people said at the time, oh, he's only there to schmooze. What was the benefit to Kansas City of you being oh, there? Oh, um, you know, it is limitless in some way what the benefit is. First of all, I was invited by Senator Blunt. We work with, we have two Republican senators. We work with our senators on important issues of investment at Kansas City, and we will continue to do so. Indeed, getting $14 million, thanks to the efforts of Senator Blunt, Congressman Cleaver, very recently. So that's step one as to why. You then visit with other elected officials and other leaders, both mayors, like Mayor Mario Bowser of, of D.C., but also talking to now Secretary Pete Buttigieg. These are the sorts of relationships you built to try to get things done in Washington. Uh, there were no parties. There were no, no big celebrations. So it really is just about work, and we got right back here to Kansas City. You really worked at having a good relationships with Republicans in yes. Congress on both sides of state line. That includes Jerry Moran and even Kevin Yoder. Mm -hmm. And that also includes Senator Josh Hawley. This is what you said in an interview back in May. And actually, we've had some great conversations with Senator Hawley lately. Um, and, you know, we talked... That's an interesting relationship. Some people were surprised with that. Tell me how that relationship you, started. One thing is we're actually not that far apart in age um, and professional background, so uh -huh. that might help a little. Frankly, I have appreciated how he's addressed some issues in a clear way. Do you still feel that way? Uh, look, I, I stand by my statements before. We work together on certain affordable housing issues, making sure that uh, absentee landlords, abusive landlords, are dealt with under federal law. I, I commend the senator for that. I have incredible disagreement with the senator's actions uh, in the early uh, month of January, and uh, I think that I've made that clear as well. It, it's a shame that people don't do everything you like, but I think the senator does need to account for his actions that were not in the best interest of Missouri and help tear this country apart. 
as mayor, you're never out of the headlines. Let's tick off some of the things that have been you've been involved in in the last week. And one of them was, and some people were surprised, you were turning the Kansas City Convention Center into a, a homeless uh, shelter. Many people think that's remarkable, that those who have been marginalized and forgotten about are given this place in one of our crown jewels in Kansas City. But when I looked at the headlines, a lot of these were all negative. It was, oh, we have partners who are leaving the effort because they're concerned about security. The Black Panther Revolutionary Party was providing 24-7 uh, protection and that was causing people to be concerned. Has that made you rethink what you're doing there at the convention center? Uh, no, absolutely not. First of all, some of that uh, is is false and some of it is actually just more of kind of the fights you see on Facebook or in social media. In Kansas City, we are a government with a heart. We have um, needs that are served for our homeless population uh, in Kansas City and, frankly, help out the entire region. That's why we have the Warming Center at H.R.O. Bartle Hall. That's why we will continue to invest in permanent housing opportunities for those who are experiencing homelessness. I stand by it. We're proud of it. We have uh, private security at Bartle Hall. Kansas City government always has. You have to be licensed to provide security in Kansas City. And we are working with folks, anyone who cares about taking care of our homeless population. That's why we're taking these steps. It's not easy. It is difficult. We're seeing that each and every day. But we knew that when we went into it. And we will continue to be a place that's humane and finding opportunities so people aren't out on the streets on a two-degree night. Affordable housing has been a big issue for you from day one. And last week, the city council unanimously mm -hmm. uh, supported a measure that will deny any tax incentives to housing developers. We're not going to set aside at least 20 percent of their housing units to those uh, who, are, who are in need of, of in lower income. But I did see, though, that their developers are complaining. Yes. This is going to mean less housing. This is going to destroy development in Kansas City. Um, are you concerned that this actually will have a backfire effect on you? Obviously not. Uh, look, we have heard the sky is falling every time we, we think about in some way narrowing, limiting the spigot of incentives. Incentives are not an entitlement. Instead, we need to make sure that as we're building new things, Kansas Cityans can also see that we're developing affordable housing. Kansas Cityans can also see that we care about people from all neighborhoods. This cannot be a story of progress just downtown in the crossroads or on the plaza. It needs to be something the whole community can touch. That's why I'm proud that after years of efforts on this as a councilman and as mayor, we were able to see unanimous support as well. And that is with a very diverse city council, different views, different places. We understand fairness. It's going to lead to disinvestment, less housing, fewer jobs. This will be disastrous, some developers say. Is that going to get worse, that sentiment, when this week the city council also takes up reforming all of the tax incentives that are taking place in Kansas City? You know, I have heard time and again, and I know you've covered Kansas City for some time as well, people say, well, we need to find the right balance. My predecessors of a few mayors ago, Mayor Barnes, certainly, I think, was right to say we need more population downtown, we need more rejuvenation. That was the policy of 20 years ago. What is the policy of today? It needs to be equitable development. It needs to be building affordable housing. It needs to be attracting jobs that everyone throughout Kansas City can have opportunities for. That is our new wave of economic development. That's what every other major city in America is doing. And I think just basically the taxpayers say, hey, we pay our taxes. Let's make sure that everybody's got a fair shake. We're taking care of our schools and we're doing what's right.
businesses say they want balance. And that is also taking place with the issue of the COVID restrictions. And we see a lawsuit filed against you now by O'Dowd's, the uh, gastro-Irish pub uh, on the Country Club Plaza that say that it is out of balance and uh, that casinos and convenience stores all get to serve food late at night and they are being unfairly targeted. Well, you know, first of all, I would hope that O'Dowd's doesn't compare their entertainment and their establishment to a, a convenience store. I think you have very different things going on. At the convenience store, I assume you're not partying around lots of other people, getting all types of open container drinks, all those sorts of alcoholic ones, at least. Look, here's the deal. Uh, these suits have been filed repeatedly, now against Kansas City, against Jackson County, against St. Louis County. Almost all have, in fact, all have been rejected. And this case will follow that same path. I would think instead of battling us, O'Dowd's would work with us in terms of how do we reopen safely? How do we keep their employees safe? How do we take care of their employees? Instead of spending money on things like lawsuits, spend money on things like paying them during these times that are struggling. That's the sort of work we're looking forward to. But look, we stand by our orders. We have kept people safer in Kansas City, and I'm very proud of that. But a month ago, though, when the first lawsuit was filed by a business on the same uh, arguments, um, very shortly after that, though, changes were made. You did allow sure. restaurants and bars to stay open later. Are you considering new changes now as a result of this lawsuit? Not at all. Not at all. We don't make changes based on lawsuits. We make changes based on health and science. Former President Trump's White House recommended to all of us around the country limiting bar hours, limiting capacity. That has been consistent in the Biden administration. We follow the directives that we get from the White House, from the CDC, from state health, and from our own health department, and that's how these decisions are made, not lawsuits. You are going to be free from tackling those types of issues, though, for a few hours at least, <laughs> as you head over to Tampa to see the Super Bowl. We very much appreciate you coming in here, though, before you leave to go to that big game. Safe travels, uh, Mayor Quinton Lucas. Thank you, and go Chiefs. Thank you. Well, next up, the rest of the week's news with Mahoney and Helling. You're watching Kansas City Week in Review. This week, Union Station, one of the epicenters for Kansas City's excitement ahead of the big game. Some say Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of all time, or the GOAT, as it's often referred to. But would you wait in a really long line and pay for the privilege of having a photo of yourself with a GOAT wearing a Mahomes jersey? I'm not here to judge, but just a snapshot of life in KC, just ahead of the Super Bowl this weekend. With me now are perhaps the only two reporters in Kansas City who have not been sent to Tampa this week. They are the Kansas City <laughs> stars Dave Helling and KM NBC9 chief political reporter Michael uh, Mahoney. Your bosses didn't want you anywhere near that game this weekend, Michael? Uh, we've got uh, plenty of people to do that. Uh, I get to trip uh, and follow politicians through the snow in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Florida, all the states, and we never get fed. <laughs> If it's okay with you, I want to move from Topeka to Jefferson City and back home as we pour through the week's other headlines as Mayor Lucas is on the Missouri side. Let's start in Kansas, where Governor Laura Kelly is shaking up the debate on two big issues this week. She wants to make Kansas the first state in the nation to fund Medicaid expansion by legalizing medical marijuana. And we have just designed a bill uh, that pays for itself and more. And I think uh, it eliminates uh, the argument uh, that we can not afford it. Even though she's Governor Kelly can't do this by herself, how have Republican leaders in the legislature responded to this move, Dave? And by the way, just for the record, Michael Mahoney is the GOAT, so let's just get that on the record right now. Um, 
No, Republicans in Topeka are not happy with this uh, proposal from the governor. They don't like the idea of medical marijuana as a standalone issue. They're not enthusiastic at all about expanding Medicaid under any circumstances. This is much more about politics, I think, Nick, than it is a real chance of becoming policy, because I think that uh, the governor thinks that her road to reelection is pushing Medicaid expansion, and she has given the Republicans in the legislature every opportunity to come up with some formula to get it done. They've refused to do so. So I think this is much more about the political message than it is about a realistic chance to do either of these things this year. I, I should you point know, out, I, let me just say, I should point out, first of all, though, that the Kansas is only one of three states that hasn't budged at all on the marijuana issue, uh, one of 12 states that have refused to approve uh, Medicaid expansion. The governor says that both of those, though, are polling at over 70 percent in Kansas, Michael. Yeah, uh, and I, I asked her specifically about that. That's where that 70 percent number uh, came from. What's really interesting about this, uh, Nick and Dave, is the, is the fact that the uh, um, the administration of Governor Kelly is very, very proud of themselves for putting these, uh, linking these two together. And at that news conference over in Overland Park, where they talked about this, they didn't talk about medical marijuana at all during the formal re remarks. They talked all about the business advantages and the financial advantages of uh, Medicaid expansion in Missouri, cover in Kansas, covering 165,000 more folks adding 13,000 more jobs, getting money from the feds to come back to, uh, uh, to uh, the state. Interestingly enough, when Republicans hear Democrats say, well, we're going to get federal money to cover some of the costs, you almost always can see them smirk because they're, they're thinking, well, it's not free money. It's still taxpayer money. It's still Kansas uh, money. We'll see. They, they think that they have answered their main uh, question of the obje objectors here. Where's the money going to come from? They think 50 million a year uh, forward uh, would pay for that. They say they set aside money for Medicaid in this in this budget. Now, she is under pressure in two different areas this week, Governor Laura Kelly. She's taking heat from Republican leaders for giving prison inmates the vaccine well ahead of the rest of the population. Uh, she's also under fire for what's happening in her Labor Department. The state's official website for unemployment claims was shut down after such widespread fraud. Kansas was reporting more people claiming unemployment than huge states like California, New York, and Texas. And there are some reports Kansas has paid upwards of $400 million on these false claims. Now, I have to say, I have been one of those caught up in that fraud, our HR department notifying me in just the last few days that someone was trying to claim unemployment benefits using my name. But is that problem now solved as we end this week together, Dave? Well, we don't know for sure. Uh, yesterday, the governor's office claimed that some 600,000 attempts were made to log in, fraudulent attempts to log into the state's unemployment website, which went uh, underwent, Nick, an overhaul, as you know, over the weekend. This is a real Achilles heel for uh, Governor Kelly and her administration. The unemployment system is really messed up. Now, Kansas isn't alone. There are reports of billion dollars of fraud in California and other states. But uh, one of the things that Democrats often run on is sort of good administration. We make the trains run on time. And unemployment insurance has been messed up in Kansas for almost a year with no end in sight. I think that's one of the big issues Republicans will have as they go after her in 2022. So she is running for re-election next year, Michael Mahoney. With issues like this, does this mean that she's in trouble? Uh, I think uh, a first-term governor, uh, Democratic governor in the state like Kansas, uh, would always be in trouble in their uh, re-election because it's going to be difficult for them to do uh, 
and, and, and get reelected. Um, we'll see. It's, the Department of Labor snafu on these unemployment uh, benefits is definitely going to be a campaign issue. There's no question about that. You know, I haven't seen any Republican, though, come forward at this point to say, I'm going to be running against uh, Laura Kelly next year, though I do see a huge list of potential names from Mike Pompeo to the former governor, Jeff Collier. Uh, Chris Kobach is on the list. The attorney general, Derek Schmidt, is on that list. Roger the plumber, he may be coming back again. Uh, does any of those folks have a better chance of defeating um, Laura Kelly than another? Yeah, uh, you, Chris, go ahead, uh, Nick, you can, you can take that list and whack all the names off of it, save for two. Former Governor Jeff Collier and the Attorney General Derek Schmidt. I don't think anybody else is going to get into that race of any serious consequence. And the intention of the uh, Derek Schmidt for Governor campaign and the Jeff Collier campaign over the course of uh, 2021 is to clear the field so it's a clean primary. I don't think any of these other folks that you mentioned uh, are, are going to uh, get involved in it, and certainly not Mike Pompeo. He's staying in Washington. He's creating a think tank. He's got his eyes on trying to run for president in 24. Yeah, let me just uh, quickly say that I think Sue Wagle might get in as well, because I do think there will be some push in the Republican Party to nominate a woman or at least consider a woman to run against Laura Kelly because of their problems in the suburbs. But Mike's exactly right. Mike Pompeo isn't going to run. Chris Kolbach isn't going to run. It's Derek Schmidt, Jeff Collier, and maybe Sue Wagle in my view. Let's move over to Missouri now. Governor Mike Parson always seemed like a mild-mannered man, but apparently he's now really angry. He sends a letter this week to leaders of his own party in the Missouri House for launching what he calls a disgusting scheme to publicly embarrass him. Those are strong words, and all because apparently at the last minute the House refused to let him deliver his State of the State address in their chamber last week, pushing Parson over to the smaller Senate chamber instead. And that's what constitutes a disgusting scheme, Mike. Is there more to it than that? <laughs> yeah, there is more to it than that. And this, uh, the the tradition of having uh, even uh, legislators of the same party, the governor, having communication problems is well established, uh, especially in the state of Missouri of late. What happens on the second floor and what happens on the third floor sometimes can be very different. Uh, the the governor's office. Uh, has some other disagreements with Republican legislators in Missouri that date back back to last summer, back to the special sessions. And this letter only uh, only sort of crystallizes it a, a bit. And um, we're, we're going to have to see. I was at first beginning to think maybe this is one off. But the more I looked at it, the more I talked with uh, uh, folks. They've got a, a serious disagreement of... Uh, the role of the governor and the role of the legislature here. Every governor in the state believes that they ought to uh, get everything from their party, no questions asked. Every legislator thinks the governor can propose, but we execute. But they're all Republicans, Dave. So what does this do to Mike Parson? Surely Republicans are still going to support his agenda, like things like uh, having a bill that will uh, exempt any businesses and nursing homes from COVID lawsuits. Well, I think that particular bill has some support, broad support in both houses. But, Nick, let's pause for a moment. This letter was absolutely extraordinary. Mike is right. There's a great history of a tug of war between the governor and the legislature, even when uh, a one party controls both. But to put it in writing uh, in this way, uh, to, to, in essence, uh, uh, dare the speaker, Rob Vescovo, to come back with something that uh, makes the governor even more angry, to highlight the COVID problems in the state. 
state. This was really uh, not a, a usual step. Typically, a governor would write that letter, put it in a desk drawer, and yell at the speaker privately. To make it public is going to make it more difficult for the governor, I think, going forward, particularly in the House, but maybe in the Senate as well, and will bring him fewer victories than he might have otherwise got from this veto-proof majority in both houses of the legislature. The vaccine rollout continues to be an issue in Missouri. The Jackson County Health Department says last week the state did not ship any vaccine to the county. Zero. This week, Truman Medical Center had to cancel appointments after it ran out of the vaccine on Monday, a spokesman for Governor Mike Parsons says it's a supply and demand issue. Is there any evidence that supply and demand is getting better as we end this week together, Michael? No, there is not. In fact, when the mayor created his task force on vaccinations, that really was a statement that, that was saying, look, we're not getting enough and we got to figure out a way to get more in here and the uh, supply that we do have has to be distributed so uh, the folks that are hit hardest with this uh, virus are getting the, uh, getting the shots. And so that whole task force is intended to do one thing, distribute the shots efficiently and fairly, and their supply is out of, out of their control. And it's going to continue to be a problem until supplies loosen up, and it's going to be a problem in both states. Actually, everywhere. Vaccine supply is one of the dominant stories of the first part of this year. Also, one of the uh, stories of note this week, uh, Dave, is that the date that the vaccine would be available for the rest of us, for all of us, seems to be slipping again. I see Dr. Rex Archer, the public health director in Kansas City, saying that's now unlikely to happen until the end of May at the earliest. So what does that mean for all of our plans for in-person concerts, for plays, for festivals, for parades? Well, it goes back. It pushes it back. And again, Nick, we've talked about this on your show repeatedly. It isn't just because of what the, go uh, the governor or the mayors in the cities might do or health departments. People aren't going to go to concerts and go out to eat until they think they're res uh, reasonably safe. Without uh, a widespread inoculation program, that's going to be more difficult. In Missouri, the particular problem is the governor this week announced a plan for mass vaccination events to be held in some cities across the state. Uh, and Kansas City and St. Louis were completely left off the list. That's presumably because there are hospitals here that can distribute the vaccine. But the optics of that are horrible, that rural areas, which, by the way, have resisted uh, COVID restrictions more than the cities have, suddenly are, are, are getting a priority for the vaccine. That's going to be a political concern as well. Yeah, and, and Dave, the, the other element of that is that's a testament to, to, a testament to the fact that Missouri's supply, and Kansas for that matter, is in such short supply. The, uh, the health department and the administration said, we don't have much, let's go where we can vaccinate people in less uh, densely populated areas and then hope that the healthcare systems in Kansas City and St. Louis can hold on until they've got more vaccinations. And you're right, this weekend in Western Missouri, they're vaccinating in Chillicothe, they're vaccinating Ava. in Bethany, and they're va vaccinating in Clinton. That's it in uh, around Kansas City. Well, that perhaps will be something that Mayor Quinton Lucas can talk to Mike Parson about at the Super Bowl, because he just told me that he's actually going to be at the Super Bowl with the governor. Uh, he can ask him about bringing more vaccine here. 
Yeah, no. I, it wasn't there. The governor's not going, is he? And that's yes. what I saw this morning, that Governor Parson will not go. But there needs to be more conversations, Nick, about this issue. Uh, Mike's right. Every state in the country is having problems with vaccine distribution and inoculations. But Kansas and Missouri at the, are at the bottom of most lists. Again, this is a problem for both governors. They need to fully focus on it. Let's stick with Missouri for a moment as we ask the question, is there no such thing as bad press? Apparently, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley is raking in the cash. His campaign just reported its biggest fundraising month since being elected with a flood of donations that some reports claim is far more than the corporate money he lost after leading the effort to block the electoral college vote. Hawley, by the way, is now the only senator in the country to have voted against every single one of President Biden's cabinet nominees. Does that make him, as Forbes magazine claims, the Biden administration's single most vocal opponent on Capitol Hill, Michael? Oh, I'm not sure he's the single most vocal op uh, opponent up there, but he's certainly in the starting five, um, without question on, on this. The, um, the Hawley political operation is very proud of the fact that they're fundraising numbers are what they are. And he's finally, this past week, started to do interviews with Missouri uh, TV reporters. I got one on Thursday uh, where he really didn't say anything new. And we simply talked about the details of that Pennsylvania situation that he, he objected to. He did a, a couple interviews on radio with KMOX and our friend Pete Mundo here in K, uh, KCMO. Um, it is interesting that he wait, waited as long as he did to start talking to the locals because on national TV in his interviews, he's always talking about representing his constituents. But the Hawley campaign, very comfortable with where they're at politically in the state of Missouri, and they're even more so uh, on the uh, uh, on the national stage. He's got headlines now he's never had in his career. What are the risks and rewards to him then for taking that position, Dave? Well, the risk is that picture of him with a raised fist will be used repeatedly by his opponents, both in Missouri and nationwide, if and when he decides to run for president. Um, it, it's clear, two things are clear to me, Nick. First, he isn't backing down. Mike's interview shows that, others as well. Uh, second, he, he, his protestations that he's not running for president are going to fall on deaf ears. He really wants to change the subject. He's put out releases and tweets on a whole range of concerns now, big tech and the budget and food and schools. But that incident on January 6th will stick to him. And I point viewers to that extraordinary interview that uh, Jack Danforth did with uh, Judy Woodruff on KCPT yesterday, where Jack Danforth, who is well known in the state of Missouri, really eviscerated his own party and particularly Josh Hawley and their actions on the 6th of January. That is a real problem in this state and in this country that Josh Hawley will have to confront. Let's move back to Kansas City real quickly before we wrap up. Mayor Quinta Lucas slapped with a lawsuit this week from O'Dowd's, the Irish pub on the plaza, and happy with his COVID restrictions. The mayor just a few minutes ago around this table downplaying what this means. But behind the scenes, is there more concern about this or is there nothing to lose sleep over, Michael? I don't think the Lucas administration is going to lose any sleep over this. They feel like they're on good legal grounds with their emergency orders. Uh, one other suit didn't go very far. They don't think this one's going to go any very far. But clearly, there is a uh, large sense of frustration in the uh, entertainment industry and the restaurant and bars about uh, uh, how they're having to suffer uh, for this. And they are they, they are taking economic hits. There's no. There's no question about, about that. But the alternative of having uh, restaurants and bars 
flowing with people over the uh, holidays or right now in, in anticipation of big football games or something like that is just an untenable position. Um, so, so I don't look for the suit to, to, uh, to have legs. So he, he shouldn't be uh, thinking about this while he's at the Super Bowl in Tampa then, Dave? No, he should be thinking about it, not because of the lawsuit, Nick, but because of the Missouri legislature, which is thinking about legislation that would remove local authority to make decisions like this. They're mostly upset in St. Louis, but Kansas City would be caught in that same net. And after screaming for uh, local control over the uh, length of the pandemic, suddenly minds are changing down in Jeff City. And that's really where the danger lies in terms of the mayor's power. And on that, yeah. Real quickly, the mess over in St. Louis about local control is driving this whole thing, and Dave's right. Kansas City's getting caught in the net. And net. Their local problems politically over there are astonishing. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Dave Helling and Michael Mahoney, thank you so much. And thank you from all of us here at your Super Bowl counter-programming station, where we're <laughs> proud to be bringing you a binge-a-thon of British dramas and mysteries Sunday night when the Chiefs take the field. I know you'll be joining us for that, and you won't miss anything. The Kansas City Star will have the final score in the paper on Monday morning. Is that right, Dave? That's exactly okay. right. We're working late that night. <laughs> all I'm Nick Haynes. Keep calm and carry on.